Hello and welcome to Love and Lordship Live. I'm Greg Williams, and I'm not going to give a lot of introduction. We're just going to continue this week with the Christmas spirit, and I'm doing something a little bit different. I hope it works out. I, I think it will, but I'm going to be playing a little bit of Christmas music in the background of Christmas, and uh, hopefully some of them from a unique way. I'm going to begin with powerful verse uh, that kind of wraps up the first Christmas in Luke 2, 18 through 20. And then we're going to back up and pick up some of those players of Christmas, the key players. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondered them, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen was just as had been told them. Have you ever stopped to ponder how those involved in the very first Christmas would have responded? Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds? God's Word shares with us how they responded, even though most of them were shocked and maybe even a bit or a whole lot fearful of what it meant to them. What is Christmas, and more importantly, Christ, meant to you? For there is no Christmas without Christ. So we're gonna look at some key Christmas players today, and I hope you will be encouraged and blessed, and maybe even a little challenged in your faith and your walk in the Lord, and share it with others. Let me take you back, as we just read, to that first Christmas, and just briefly recount the well-known narratives and names. Then I want to spend the better part of this post on a part of the story that you may have never heard and what we can learn for the, from the lowliest of players in the Christmas story. In Matthew 1, 18 through 23, we find out this. I'm just going to paraphrase this, but Mary and Joseph get engaged. Mary gets pregnant, which was taboo, a no-no, right? Joseph chooses, being a good guy, so to speak, to privately divorce Mary, which was the honorable thing to do as he could have had her stoned or exiled from the country and her family. The prophecy of a virgin birth is fulfilled and the name of God's son, Jesus and Emmanuel, are given through the angel to Mary and Joseph. Then in Luke 2, 1 through 20, the famous Christmas narrative of Caesar Augustus' census that literally God worked in history to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecies of Malachi and others to a stable where Jesus would be born in a manger, an animal's feed box, and wrapped in swaddling, poor man's cloths. Many think it was the cloths used to wrap the baby lambs. Think about that likely in a, in a cave type thing, or maybe a makeshift stable or barn. For animals, it fulfilled several hundred year old prophecies. Angels and shepherds, which bring me to the story that I want to focus on as alluded to earlier. All of that is in Luke 2, 1 through 20. Key players. And we've heard a lot about Elizabeth and Zacharias, maybe even Simeon and Anna in the temple. We hear about the shepherds. They, they are certainly an integral part of this message. But I want to share with you 
from the real, an article entitled The Real Shepherds of Bethlehem. Now I've paraphrased some of this, but it's an article by Nick Harris. So go look it up if you get the chance and read the whole article. I'm paraphrasing and adding a little bit here and there. The shepherds keeping watch over the flocks near Bethlehem would have been quite out of the ordinary. Because of the stench, the sheep were normally kept miles from towns and villages to gathering of people. There was one great exception to this, and it just so happened to be Bethlehem at this specific time of the year. Imagine that. And even more so, think about how God brought all of this together. The shepherds that resided in Bethlehem, along with the very large flock, was specifically called out for one purpose only. These were set apart for one specific purpose, and that was Passover. These were the Passover lambs. These were the ones that were called out, declared, and set apart as perfect by the high priest and the priest so they could be sacrificed in the temple and or ate in the, during the Passover. This was literally the high priest's flock and shepherds. These were the Passover lambs. This was likely the largest herd of sheep and required a great number of shepherds to tend them right there in Bethlehem. You think God may have been orchestrating something all along? Two other key components regarding Bethlehem and the shepherds. First, Bethlehem was beautifully situated high on a hill and you could see in all directions. Second, the shepherds were monitored by the temple priest and because there were so many, they would watch over the flocks and shifts. The lowliest of the shepherds got the night shift. Does that ring a bell from Scripture? As they were watching over their flocks by night. You see, these shepherds were monitored by the temple priest and seeing as how these shepherds, these sheep belong to the high priest and were for Passover. Typically, any shepherd or anyone else who defiled himself by mingling with the sheep or cattle of any kind was considered filthy and unclean and therefore able to unable unable to enter into the temple. The priest would watch over the shepherds below from a tower known as the Migdal Eder, M-I-G-D-A-L-E-D-E-R, which meant the tower of the flock. In this way, the priest remained ritually, I'm doing air quotes if you're just listening, they remained ritually clean and certainly high above the filthy shepherds so they could continue to enter the temple and worship God because that's the only place you could. The shepherds who mingled with the sheep remained filthy, air quotes again, and were considered unclean and could not enter the temple or God's presence. Hmm. Wonder who God might select as the first to actually enter into his presence and kneel before God himself as a newborn baby king, God in the flesh. Jesus, Emmanuel. The ritually always clean priest or perpetually filthy shepherds. Which one? We know the answer, don't we? And God's answer and plan would have been truly shocking. But as one song says, from Strange Way to Save the World by For Him and others, to think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved, there would have been no Bethlehem no lowly shepherds at his birth. But Joseph knew the reason love had to reach so far. 
For more on this, check out the article that I'll have linked at loveandboardship.com on this Christmas Stories, Christmas Players. You'll hear more about the flocks and the shepherds in Bethlehem and that they were watching over the Passover lambs. And With this in mind, I believe there is much we can learn from them when it comes to our response to Christ and God's message to us. They heard a tremendous message from the angel and then a choir of angels, right? The shepherds. So here is the lessons. The gospel, I've entitled it, The Gospel According to the Shepherds. So often in the Christmas story, we focus on the main characters, and rightfully so, Mary, Joseph, and of course, the main character, Jesus. But through the short account account of Luke 2, 8 through 20, there are four things we can learn from the shepherds that should make the top of our to-do list this, every Christmas, and for that matter, every day of our lives. Number one, the shepherds believed. Now, yes, the angel announced in spectacular fashion that the Messiah was born, and then the choir of angels sang glory to God in the highest. As soon as the angels left, the shepherds looked at each other and said, "Uh, that's a little far-fetched. I don't think we'll find that. No, 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 that's not what they said. They said, what are we waiting for? Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened. No debate, no procrastination. They don't decide to sleep on it. They don't go to the local library or temple, as they wouldn't have been given access anyway, right? To research or ask questions. They simply believed. They had heard a message. What were they going to do with it? That's faith. Scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. Remember, again, you can go to www.loveandworship.com and find the articles where all the Scripture texts are linked. The angel said, peace on earth among people with whom he is pleased, God is pleased. Who is that? It's those who respond to God's gift through faith. Scripture also says, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, for it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Faith means you say yes to all that God did through Christ. Yes, he is the Savior of the world. Yes, he came to die for my sins. Yes, through him I find forgiveness and new life. Yes, I want Christ as my Savior and Lord. If you're not sure, what are you waiting for? Contact us. I'll give that information at the end of today's message. Faith isn't a spectator sport. It's an active embracing of all that God has promised and given us in Christ. Which leads us to the second thing the shepherds teach us. The shepherds were obedient. Obedience. You see, the shepherds didn't just talk about it. They did exactly as they were told. You see, every step from the moment the angels left to the manger in Bethlehem was a step of faith. They had heard, but they hadn't seen anything yet. Go and see. That's what the angel said. Now they had a choice. We often think of Christmas as a tame holiday. The sweet baby Jesus asleep on the hay, wrapped in warm, swaddling poor man's cloths. Everyone loves that because it's so innocuous and safe. And there's some truth in that, but Christmas itself isn't safe. Maybe we would react as they did if angels appeared to us. But, But wait a minute. We have God's Word. We have the literal breath of God in His Word, the life of God given to us. Are we responding in faith? Not just show up in a church, but 
not just showing up at church, I should say, or I meant to say, but living it out daily. You see, that baby was and still is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the angels and his word tell us the same thing. The angels to the shepherd, his word to us. He came to usher in a kingdom that rivals the worldly kingdom. That's not safe. He came against culture, against our flesh, against self. That's threatening. And he bids those, just like the angels did to shepherds, who would follow him to take up their cross. Go and see him. Come know him. To lay aside our own right, our own concerns, our own fears and deception, to rule ourselves and surrender to his rule. Just as with the shepherds, we can only know or see the Lord through obedience. Faith in action is the only real faith. Think about this. I'm going to say it again. From the time the shepherds heard from the angel and then the choir of angels, walking from the fields of Bethlehem, the city of David, the city of the king, every step of the way they took was in faith based only on what the angel had said. Not until they completed their journey and arrived at the lowly stable did their faith become sight. In the midst of the filth and the stench and the lowliness of that moment, of that setting, their faith became sight. Unless they had chosen to walk in faith, they would have never seen the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, clothes lying in a manger. That's what the angels had said. They didn't really know that till they made the walk of faith. The same is true of us and our walk of faith. Unless we continue in it according to his word and by his spirit, we will not see the king and know him. That's what the shepherds taught us by walking out their belief in obedient faith until they saw him. The world loves to celebrate Christmas, celebrate Christmas, but they hate to obey him as Lord of their lives. Everyone wants to keep Christ in the manger, but the manger is meaningless apart from the cross and the tomb and his lordship in our lives. Benjamin Franklin, the great founding, one of the great founding fathers, he was flawed, he had problems. He stated this over 200 years ago. How many observe Christ's birthday? How few his precepts. Oh, tis easier to keep holidays than commandments. Christmas time is a time of faith, a time for obedience. The two cannot be separated. The third thing the shepherds teach us is that once their faith was made real, they told others. Number three, third lesson, they told others. When the shepherds arrived in Bethlehem and saw the child lying in the feed trough, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They weren't preachers or teachers or seminarians or missionaries. They didn't, that didn't matter. They had heard and seen something that meant salvation for the entire world. You see, Christmas trees and eggnog and the exchanging of gifts are fine. Check out Christmas memories from last week if you go to loveandlordship.com. If we enjoy all but don't share Jesus, if we fail to speak by our words and our lives of the real meaning of it all as the shepherds did, if we neglect to tell others that Christ that the Christ child is Savior and Lord sent by God to die on the cross to purchase our own deliverance from sin, death, and Satan, and hell. 
with his royal, divine, human blood, if we neglect to share Christ, we miss Christmas. The angel said that this is good news of great joy, which shall be for all peoples. If we truly believe it, we've got to share this gospel, this good news, this great joy. Finally, the Bethlehem Passover shepherds taught us this. Experience the holy wonder. This is the fourth lesson. They reacted to it. The shepherds were overwhelmed at the angels' announcements. They were overwhelmed when they everything the angels said was true. They experienced holy wonder. How can we engage in holy wonder? Maybe that means you stop in the middle of your shopping, sit down, and read the Christmas story. Maybe you gather your children around a nativity scene each night and focus on a particular player or event and the role it plays in the Christmas story. Maybe you wake up early one morning and find a place you can watch the sun rise as you meditate on this prophecy uh, that Luke talked about coming true in chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for Him, to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. The work of holy wonder is treasuring and pondering and sharing that God invaded earth on a dangerous rescue mission. Let's do the same. Let's engage in holy wonder. The shepherds departed, rejoicing at all they seen because it was everything they saw was exactly as they had been told. Their faith had now become sight and they wanted others to know it. That same truth the angels gave the shepherds is in God's word for us to experience holy wonder and share it with others. Thanks for sticking with me. I've gone a little longer today, but here's some food for thought and action items as we wrap up. Isn't it interesting that Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, and all involved, faced a decision of faith when they heard about God's plan for Christmas, and then a response as it became a reality. What about you? What has been your response to Christ in your heart and life? The last thing the shepherds teach us is that Christ came for everyone. He came to the lowliest of the low who could not even enter the temple and all others looked down on them because they couldn't worship God. It could only happen in the temple. They went and worshiped at the feet of Christ the King, the newborn babe. Here are your five action items. Number one, read the scriptures in this article and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Number two, how does the story of the real shepherds of Bethlehem impact your understanding of Christmas? Number three, what part of the gospel or Christmas story, according to the shepherds, describes where you are with Christ? Number four, if you know Christ as Savior and Lord, share him. If not, find someone to help you fully experience and come to know the greatest gift ever given. And five, I highly recommend that you take the time to watch this 
with your family and loved ones. A video entitled, It's Christmas with the Chosen. I've got it linked as number five in action items near the end of the article. It's Christmas with the Chosen, and it's really entitled, The Shepherd. 23 minutes. I promise you, you'll be moved and blessed. Make it a great Christmas season with family and loved ones in and for the Lord, the baby in the manger, Jesus Christ. Now, if you've got questions or need help, Love and Lordship is a safe place. Contact us at loveandlordship at gmail.com or text or call me at 859-229-6504. Please continue to pray for us and thank you for your prayers. If the Lord moves on your heart to say, that is a kingdom ministry of mine, and wants you to partner with us financially, would you follow through? You can go to loveandlordship.com. There's a Give tab in the upper right. You may have to work through it, but once you get on there, if you click on it, it only takes about a minute or so to give one time or ongoing. Monthly gifts really help us continue the ministry. Thank you for that. And if it's not us, keep praying until the Lord shows you who to give to for His kingdom and His glory. Our vision right there on the, on the banner, you know it. Every life and relationship built on the love and lordship of Jesus Christ. And our mission is making disciples who make disciples in the love and lordship of Jesus Christ in every home, church, and beyond for his kingdom and glory. If your church or group would like to partner with us, contact me at the contact information or message me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks always to the Lord. Make it a great day, Advent and Christmas season in the Christ of Christmas. Thank you again, and God bless in Christ.